All right, and we're live with another episode of The Cymatic Show. If you guys are interested in doing beat sales or anything like that, this is definitely going to be the episode to, uh, to watch. We have Anno Domini here. How's it going? Good, man. Thanks for inviting me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's cool we get to link up. You just, uh, I know it'd probably be a little harder to, we, we try to fly a lot of people out to LA, I mean, out to Atlanta, mm -hmm. but I mean, I know you got a new kid and stuff, so I'm sure that's a lot easier. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, that you guys flew out here just to meet me, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, the whole trip. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, so I guess a couple of things you want to get started, maybe by talking about like, you know, all your major placements and kind of the, the business you built and the name you built for yourself over the past, like how many years you said you've been in the game? I've been doing this since like 2002, 2003. So I've been a fan of, of him since I was like 14, which is crazy because I'm 26 yeah. now. So you can, you can definitely see how you should be on all the platforms because that was <laughs> SoundClick and SoundClick is pretty much dead now, right? I mean... Yeah, it's interesting. Like way back then, the first couple of platforms where on, online producers started mm -hmm. coming out were mp3.com and soundclick.com. Those were like the big places where people would get to come, share their music, get feedback. Mm -hmm. And then eventually producers saw this opportunity to essentially sell licenses to their stuff mm -hmm. as well. So I was one of the first guys to actually put like a little, you know, like a PayPal checkout button on mm -hmm. my SoundClick page. That was kind of it. the birth of like <laughs> online licensing, which is kind of the standard in the industry now, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So like probably nobody was doing shit like that back then. Yeah, it was, it was me. a very select few people, I remember. Yeah, it was like a handful of producers mm -hmm. back then. Some big guys like, you know, Wishmaster, Superstar O, Johnny Giuliano. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of rode that initial wave of, of online licensing. And that was kind of the birth, I guess, of online producers. So it's, you know, it's like a pretty nascent industry. It's pretty new. People have been doing this for just over a decade. How have you seen it change from 2003 to now going into 2020 in terms of beat, sale, beat selling online? Well, first of all, SoundClick is dead. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. But, uh, you know, we're, we're really working hard to like legitimize this beat selling niche, right? Back then, it was just like a handful of amateurs basically just posting music for the fun of it. Whereas now it's grown into this like multi-million dollar industry where there's, you know, big websites, big producers, um, big artists and labels actually finding their stuff online. Besides like BeatStars, Airbit, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just basically not just been legitimized, but it's just expanded massively. Like the, the speed selling industry that used to be, you know, I don't know, like a handful of producers online has now grown into, I think 1.6 million producers are registered on BeatStars or something like that. That's insane. Damn. That's insane. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think it's because the the internet has kind of created the the way it's evolved, you know, from 2003 to now is almost the right environment. Yeah. You know, if anybody can put up a BeatStars page and make a social media account, you essentially have the same potential to make a six-figure business as somebody opening up a fucking a cafe. Dude, it's amazing. Like, you know? literally, there's not a better time in history for producers to, to make money. Yeah, there's, definitely. like, so many opportunities. And I feel like everything is much more democratized in a way, right? Because everybody has access to the same sounds online. Everybody has access to the same selling tools. Everyone has access to artists. I come from, like, a tiny village in the middle of nowhere in Germany. But somehow <laughs> I connected with all these, like, hip-hop artists in America, yeah. you know? And now I live out here in LA. So I feel like that's the trajectory for a lot of these young kids that are coming out and just, you know, coming out here and making a name for themselves. That's crazy, man. Yeah. By the way, we kind of skipped over it. Uh, you wanted to talk about some of your placements and like some of the people you work with? Sure, yeah. Um, I've worked with people like uh, 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg, Rick Ross. Um, the first placement I ever got was Vinny Pass from Jedi Mind Tricks. Mm. It was like back on MySpace, if anybody still remembers oh. that. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah, you're su you're super old school, dude. <laughs> you're yeah, around yeah. for every phase of the beat it's, selling scene. It's, it's funny, yeah. I mean, I grew up on that like early 90s New York hip-hop sound. Mm -hmm. And I came out sort of idolizing people like, you know, Vinny, people like, uh, I don't know, Talib Kweli and stuff like that. So those were the kind of people that I wanted to work with. And back then on MySpace, it was, it was awesome because you could literally like contact an artist through their inbox and they would actually write back. 
that's before the whole platform got taken over by spam and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so nowadays, I guess the, the same thing is like Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. You can actually connect with legitimate artists if you're lucky through Instagram or platforms like that. I mean, people read them. I read most of my messages. I just don't answer most of them. Especially comments. Yes. Comments are, I think, amazing. Comments are really mm -hmm. good. Uh, especially if you're like quick on a post because people are checking their comments in the first few hours. For sure. Every human being <laughs> who's <laughs> posting is spamming that refresh button right away. Yeah. No, it's cool. I mean, even now, you know, it's still possible to to directly connect with artists. Like so many guys hit me up saying, how did you get your placement? And I was like, I literally just sent this guy free beats. <laughs> and their mind is just blown because they think, you know, you need to go to the studio, you need to meet the managers, then you get through to like the next level. And then eventually, you know, you get to, to meet the artists. How so, important do you think doing free work is in the music industry like I, to get your foot in the door? Never mind the music industry. I feel like it's really important always to give value up front. Mm -hmm. That's just like a solid marketing business principle right so part of that as a producer obviously is is giving out free free content or something like that and honestly today most of my customers are guys that i gave free beats to like 10 years ago right mm -hmm. those are the guys who are now signed who are like doing shows who are you know having major mm -hmm. sort of album releases and stuff like that yeah so that all came from me giving out free beats from you know 2003 onwards basically you're probably one of the first few people giving out free beats online because people yeah. still are scared to do that i see the no free beat shit still to this that, day that blows my mind that that's such a are, mindset issue i feel like right yeah i wonder where is it stemming from you know what I'm saying? Being like, scared of getting not getting credit. Like, like they're so worried about the lottery ticket of that blowing up. Even if somebody put out a free beat and it did blow up, there's still so much benefit of you being that producer if you got it zero dollars off the mm -hmm. actual record itself. Mm -hmm. Like the 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 tidal wave that comes after that is just as worth it. You mm -hmm. know, but I think so many. But you know how much Old Town Road was sold for on BeatSource? Thirty bucks. Yeah, and okay. was, the guy and that producer got gonna, paid. So yeah, don't worry about it. Upload. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was like saying that was a throwaway. Yeah. Imagine a throw. Nobody bought it. Number one hit in the mm -hmm. world. One sale on that beat. That's crazy, man. That's all that was yeah. news. One that, sale. That yeah. story always makes me so excited. And now Keo is like killing it now. He's oh, not yeah. he's not just like some Is he doing a, is he doing a lot of other stuff now? Uh yeah. He's working with all kinds of like in the studio. He went from like bedroom producer in the Netherlands, right? I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's all of a sudden working in the studio with like ski mask, all kinds of people. Just because of that. Yeah, sort of it opens doors, right? And it's all about that initial sort of connection. You know, 30 bucks for a beat. Mm -hmm. Anybody can buy that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're charging, if you're if coming straight out of the gate, just charging like 1000 or $5,000 for a beat, that's never going to happen, right? Like um, the entryway into the industry sometimes is through giving free content or giving, you know, very, very low price content. Yeah. And the point is that so many producers kind of have this mindset of like, oh, I'm, I'm scared of giving away free stuff because I'm devaluing myself. But it's, it's not that at all. Essentially what you're doing is it's almost like, I don't know, to pull like a really terrible fishing analogy, it's like dangling a little bait to catch a big fish, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes giving out something for free can mean that on the back end, that same producer or the same artist who got that free content is going to buy something from you. Mm -hmm. And you guys are amazing at that too, yeah, right? You're giving free stuff up all the time. That's the reason probably that's the one thing if I would say out of any of the strategy stuff that's helped us be successful is straight up that I've been mm -hmm. trying to day literally one. every every single podcast now bring up that question because of that reason because I'm like I want everybody to hear it over yeah. and over. Yeah, cuz yeah, it's definitely a big important thing.
And sure. uh, by the way, quick thing: if you see us looking at our phones, we got hella notes, so we're not like I'm not scrolling Instagram. Yeah, I'm trying to, I forgot <laughs> to tell you that. Memorizing them a little bit better, so I don't have to do that. Just getting just lost tindering in the background. Swiping. All right, so I got a question about like uh, I mean, on the topic of like you know doing free books and stuff. So what's some like pricing strategies you would do? Because you're talking about you know selling the lower end stuff. You're talking about free stuff. Like how would somebody go about? Let's say they have a hard drive full of thirty to fifty great beats to like mm-hmm. maybe open up a, a store strategically, not just putting shit up, you know. I mean, first of all, I take maybe five of those beats and just create a little free beat package, right? That's going to be like your lead magnet to essentially mm-hmm. grow your audience because um, giving away something for free, that's going to mean at least like 10 times as many people are going to click on that link to go to your store to check out your stuff than if you're selling them something straight away, right? Mm-hmm. So reserve a few beats for free content. Then the next thing I would do is just research your audience, right? Everyone's got their own unique audience and their unique customer avatar that they're trying to speak to. So if my customer avatar is like, I don't know, like a 21-year-old college kid, obviously I'm going to price my content according to what he can afford, what he usually spends on, on music and stuff like that. But if, of course, if my customer avatar is like, I don't know, 50 cent, then I'm going to price that accordingly too. So it just depends on like who you're trying to talk to, who you're trying to reach. Um, don't be afraid of obviously starting small and like reaching out to those like kids who are just starting out because you never know that same kid who right now is looking for free content, he might be that next guy who's... I don't know, like on a multi-platinum project. Mm -hmm. And it happens all the time. Like look at all the artists blowing up on SoundCloud who are under like 20 years old and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Especially with TikTok now, you can blow up overnight. Yeah, it's insane. crazy. No, no, I think that's that's definitely nuts. Um, Even at some of our live events, I feel like there's random, like there's so many people we're meeting and I I feel like it's funny that we could be meeting like the next fucking huge superstar and not even know it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like there's going to be random stories like that that pop out and isn't that like super motivational as well just knowing that you're that connected with the with the uh, community that it's, you're it's literally weird. potentially fueling somebody's career yeah right? it's yeah. weird in person because you just see like the comments and likes and messages but they're just online it seems kind of like just numbers but then you see them in yeah. person it's like they're like this video really changed my life I'm like whoa that's crazy to hear in person yeah. that's nuts honestly that's like the funnest part for me at this point in my career you know I've, I've done everything myself I've kind of worked with the artists that I set out to work with um so right now what I find the most fun is actually like helping other producers to become self-made entrepreneurs and just um go their own trajectory and just seeing their success and people telling me like you know your beats inspired me to make beats that's like so motivational to me and I'm sure for you guys it's the same mm-hmm. because you're you're really into like teaching and stuff like that and actually mm-hmm. helping the community so yeah is there a certain success story from one of the people that bought your beats that had something blow up that's kind of interesting that sticks out to you or maybe even one of your students or anything like that yeah i mean there's a couple of guys we always run these like free contests for for artists mm-hmm. um like once or twice a year or something like that where essentially we just give away things like like an album deal or we help them like promote a project and you know, release it do the distribution mm-hmm. stuff like that so we had one guy win it uh, two years ago nk47 and on the back of that, he booked like a national tour. He he has like millions of streams on, on Spotify and stuff like Holy that. Shit, that's crazy. So he's starting to blow up, yeah. Off that contest pretty much yeah. as a Kickstarter for him. For sure. And then the most recent contest we, we did, this guy called uh, Neil Kyung. He's like this, this Korean-American rapper. He won that contest and his stuff is just like blowing up right now. Really incredible content. So it's kind of cool to also transcend boundaries in the sense that, you know, we've had like a guy who is a British MC win our contest, which is like 99% American rappers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have like a Korean American guy. So it's just like a whole diversity of people and they're, they're getting this platform. So it's really exciting to kind of push people and uh, hopefully help them in their career. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, so once you have your five free beats, how do you actually get traffic to them? Yeah, so I guess we're getting into like a little bit of like funnel talk because mm-hmm, yeah. I, know, I know Gabe talked a lot about that, so yeah. I don't want to go over the, the same exact things. But essentially, 
um, by giving away something for free, you know how people usually they'll try and sell you something in like their Instagram bio mm-hmm. or like their, their YouTube uh, description link or something mm-hmm. like that. Like honestly, 99.9% of all producers out there, their entire business model is let me upload something to YouTube. I'm going to you know post a link underneath that says, here's a link to buy this, right? So obviously that has like a really infinitesimally small click rate and then success rate because not many people are going to click to buy something right away. They don't know you. They don't know anything about you. They don't know if they can trust you, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if you turn that into a free offer, like in your Instagram bio, or wherever it is that you're connecting with people, uh, a lot more people are going to click on that because everybody loves free stuff, right? So that's the first step. And then once you get people to actually go to get something for free, you're going to ask them for their email address or, mm-hmm. or their you know, phone number. I know you're really into texting and stuff like that right now, mm-hmm. or like their, their Facebook messenger handle or something like that. So essentially what you're doing then is you're adding them to your, to your community, right? To your, mm-hmm. to your tribe. And then the process of actually starting a legitimate relationship starts. So you're not just trying to make it a transactional thing right away. You're actually trying to provide value, connect with that person who might eventually become your customer by providing them information, you know, introducing yourself, doing like a backstory, um, you know, keep growing, the, the sort of trust between you and that person by giving away free content and information and things like that. And then eventually you can transition to actually selling him something. And the whole point is like the law of reciprocity says, if you provide something up front, people are much more likely to want to give you something afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Which in this case is the sale. Um, so not only are you building a stronger relationship with these people, not only are you building a bigger uh, community because so many more people are clicking on your link, but also you're actually... And, you actually end up making more money because you know your customers genuinely feel like you're trying to help them. They want to give you money. Uh, you're providing more value than all of your competitors. So it's just this incredible strategy that I don't understand why more people aren't doing. I think they're really like greedy or just more like not greedy. It's like scared. It's also it's like, yeah, it's inexperienced. But they're kind of scared of like, oh, what if this happened? With what if this happens? Whatever. Yeah, I think the fear holds a lot of people back. Uh, so you have a team of producers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you go about starting to build that and like? At what point should somebody try to do that or should they get involved with the team first like yours? Um, Like you want to explain it a little bit? Yeah. So when I started out back in 2003 or whatever, uh, it was just me making all the beats, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd I'd just be sitting there grinding away, making like a beat or two every single day, uh, pretty much full time. And I realized pretty soon that if I was going to grow the business, I had to actually outsource some of the work, right? Because mm-hmm. at that point I was doing everything, like the marketing, the sales, the beats, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. And one really important thing, I guess, is to stay relevant is to create content, right? Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, not just put out like a hundred beats today and then nothing for the next year, mm-hmm. but you have to be consistent about just, you know, releasing content. And I realized like the best way to do that would be to actually get help and to outsource some of that. So I just kind of researched some some other producers that had great content and just put them into the team. And that way we could still release daily content without me having to slave away basically 24-7. That's really smart, man. I mean, yeah, me and Drew. Now, like versus like when we first started Cymatix, way different. So I remember me and Drew scrambling over building the website or doing <laughs> yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, now it's a little detail. Yeah, now it's like I call Daniel, our guy, and I'm like, yo, we need this. Yeah. <laughs> Covered, you know. What do you, what do you look for in somebody like that? I mean, I haven't added anyone to the team in a long time just because we, we all know each other, we trust each other and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And we have 10 producers now. So I oh, feel like wow. we're at the point where we can release as much content as we want to. But back then, you know, the things that I looked for were obviously, you know, you have to be good at what you do. Mm-hmm. But even more importantly, I feel like is to be sort of generous, courteous, um, humble. 
because I had like a few producers. I made the mistake of just signing some guys who were like, you know, these beats are fucking amazing. Yeah. But then they turned out being douchebags <laughs> and they just ruined our customer reputation. People hated them. You know, they didn't get work done. They were starting beef with everyone. So I mean, we've, de- we've definitely learned that for sure. Like skills is not the only thing. It's culture also, is culture is always hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. It's like it's like skills is obviously super important. But one thing we learned from Gary and his team is that like skills can be taught to a certain extent. You know, because mm-hmm. if you have a smart individual, they can learn a lot of shit. Probably, you know, definitely. But you can't teach culture. A culture fit with your team you know mm-hmm. you can't teach that guy not to be a dick he's pretty much like <laughs> that or you know what i'm saying yeah kind of an interesting point of view something we learned absolutely yeah so i mean that's always been paramount to everything we do and in all my businesses not just production work i feel like it's such an important thing to consider yeah you want to talk about your other businesses sure i guess that's a pretty good segue so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i have the music production company that's Anno Domini Nation. Mm-hmm. Then I also have Modern Producers, which is kind of like the, the software company. You know, we, we do kind of like you guys. We release like VSTs, sound kits, loops, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a real estate business, which is kind of where all my money from music is funneled into. Um, I always kind of believed in doing something sensible with my money, mm-hmm. not just like buying a car and fancy sneakers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So as soon as I could, as soon as I moved out here, actually to LA, I just I bought my first property and started building up a little portfolio of properties. How many you got? Uh, five that we own and then we did have another eight that we managed but now with you know regulations coming in uh, in la and stuff like that we're kind of going to roll that back and just focus on the ones that we have that yeah, that's kind of scary that they can make a law like that i mean that's pretty brutal in terms of like they're just going to not let you do Airbnb yeah business like crazy. you know what it is whenever a new technology comes out um initially it's like the wild west and then what happens is that government kind of like over overreaches Over a little bit because they get scared yeah. you know they just kind of uh regulate the shit out of this new industry because they don't really understand it kind of like uber you know like the yeah. taxi union just blocking mm-hmm. them and stuff like that and then gradually once like you know society becomes more used to the technology like they start repealing it and rolling it back mm-hmm. but right now we're at the point where la is just kind of freaking out they're blaming everything from like the housing shortage to you know like um unwanted uh tourists and stuff like that mm-hmm. on on airbnb so we're at that point now where unfortunately we're going to have to look at other options. and like move So are you not different... going to be able to Airbnb out anymore? Is that what's um, happening? So what it is, so every city in the U.S. is different. Like Atlanta has a different law from Nashville, has a different law from L.A. But in LA, L.A., what's happening right now is essentially you can only Airbnb your primary residence mm-hmm. and only if you live there for six months out of the year and only if it's non-RSO. Oh, wow. So it's, it's like a bunch of stipulations. That, that's that's kind of scary with, with all your extra houses, right? Because now you're like, fuck. Well, yeah, you guys as well. I mean, you're on an Airbnb right now. Like, this might not be around next year, right? That sucks. So, yeah. No wonder they have the, the sales the, the lease. The lease. Yeah, they're trying oh, to really? Out. Yeah, they're trying yeah. to lease this place long term. I'm not surprised. We <laughs> might have to just do that at some point. I just We could just rent a spot at Steve's house. Steve's house. I don't know if he's <laughs> Well, I have a oh, bunch of empty oh, Airbnbs. So. There we go, Andre. Delivery. Special delivery. Thank God you didn't hold it over there. Now <laughs> Ando's getting the real heat once I get this guy in. Um... Yeah, that's interesting, man. We got it. We might have to get into that. Me, me and Drew are interested in, in the future, like just mm-hmm. taking extra cash. And we were talking about potentially having houses and potential like. Dude, it's smart. Yeah. Whether it's Florida or here. Or, you I know think long term, it's just the best uh, way to build your wealth, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've had, you know, a couple oh, failed ventures, tried random shit. One thing mm-hmm. we learned about side ventures. Now we're throwing our, our side ventures are the rules are they got to be within the music industry. Okay. And that, that our brand can kind of control. If that makes sense, our play so like impact. the events or one of those. The event things. was a side side bet, just random side bet. But yeah. because it's kind of aligned, the side bet like can has a potential chance if it does hit to, you know, play into the main business. Mm-hmm. Also, it 
it um it makes it easier for that to succeed because you don't have to build a fan base like let's just make some instagram mm -hmm. posts or some shit you know what i'm saying for sure i mean i definitely see that and i think that's smart but also then there's the other side of like diversification right mm -hmm. if you have all your eggs in the music industry basket you know you might you might want to look into basically making money in a different way as well just like funneling some of that cash into something that's maybe passive like real estate just rent it out something like that yeah do, do you it's like ray dalio uh you know, really, I haven't really listened to any of the stuff. Okay. He's a huge investor. He talks a lot about that, like diversifying oh, yeah? it. So like mm -hmm. things that don't like, you know, aren't contingent on each other, you know, to balance out your cash flow pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things to consider. Like, you know, if the economy goes down, like maybe one of the first things people are going to cut money on is like entertainment and music and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So producers who right now might be spending like thousands of bucks on BSTs, they're not going to be able to do that if they're a hobby producer. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's always smart to have something that, you know, maybe can ride those waves and you know isn't contingent on the exact same parameters. I think yeah. the the one thing is though that brand is insurance. If you have a huge brand, like Gary Vee, the economy can fucking crash. His personal brand is so big and he has his hands in so many random things and that he's kind of like an agent agency business. They have a bunch of agencies, sports. Dude, you yeah. should see we went to their Dude, office, man. They're not doing what he has it's, it's not like a conglomerate people, of companies. People think it's like Gary Vee, like, oh, motivational speaker. It's not that. It's not that at all. <laughs> he has all this stuff he just doesn't even talk about. Like, so much stuff he doesn't talk yeah. about. Yeah, so I don't know. I think I think the brand is, like, insurance from that a little bit. Because if you have a huge brand, at the end of the day, you can sell the fuck out of people long term. No, I agree. Like, brand is super important, definitely. Yeah. But, well, yeah, if, if anything happens, like, the economy goes bust or whatever, like, the guys who are... The most prolific from a branding point of view, the guys who are like the opinion leaders, I guess, they're the mm -hmm. ones that are still going to do well. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that your business might still decline, but you're still going to be around as opposed to like 90% of other people. Yeah, so. that's the, it's, it's hard. And it's the same, it's the same reason why something like Vine goes down mm -hmm. and people are toast. Like all of a sudden, dude, Matt, this guy, Matt, who's coming here, super big influencer in the dance world. We had him on the show. Yeah. He was saying he had a, he had buddies who were buying mansions in LA because they were getting paid a couple hundred grand per vine, like six wow. second vine. One vine, but then all but of then a sudden, vine went down. foreclosed a year later and yeah. they were broke and all money gone. Like diversifying your, I'm sure you traffic. diversify mm -hmm. your traffic all over the yeah. place. You have your email list. You know, one thing that's so dangerous as well is platform dependence, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like so many of these guys out there, their entire strategy is like Instagram or their entire like advertising strategy is like Facebook ads. Like what happens if Facebook decides to like double the price of their ads? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're screwed basically. Mm -hmm. um, or what happens if like Instagram, I don't know, for whatever reason gets, gets fined by the government or something and like has to change their algorithm or something. Mm -hmm. And then your entire strategy on Instagram goes down the drain. So it's really important to just know to be on different platforms and have different strategies. Yeah, or, anything with Mark Zuckerberg is fucking to watch out. Susceptible <laughs> to getting pulled back. So like, look yeah. at Facebook fan pages, man. That was like, that was scary to watch. I was like, oh man, and mm -hmm. it scares me for Instagram too because it's mm -hmm. gonna happen. At some I mean, point. it's gonna as more as more media demand comes in. You know, more yeah. people buying ads. Well, the ads are gonna take slots for your organic reach. You know. Mm -hmm. Especially Zucks, man. You can't trust Zucks because he's pulling back Messenger right now, too. Oh, man. Messenger. Know, he really screwed me over on that one. I was, I, I was we, getting really into the Messenger. Uh, we already I knew. Was, I already knew it was going to happen straight mm -hmm. up because it, it's it's in his blood. Dude, it he was, was, it was it. a little bit <laughs> fucked up how hard they were trying to get you to buy uh, buy page likes. Like, hey, sponsor, sponsor your page for page likes. And then all of a sudden, oh, your, page, your likes don't see your stuff anyway. So like it was almost like selling something that was fake. Right? And then you just took it away later. <laughs> yeah, it's like vanity metrics, right? It's like yeah. this facade. That's another thing that I have an issue with. Sometimes I feel like so many people are just focused on like like the numbers, the you know, 
-hmm. How many Instagram followers do I have? How many likes mm -hmm. did I get on that photo? How many, I don't know, followers do I have on Twitter or stuff like that? It doesn't really matter. Like what's really important is the connection you have with that audience. Mm -hmm. Because I could have a thousand followers that love me and buy every single thing that I do, or I could have a hundred thousand followers who just kind of like my page, but then never read any of my content. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people just kind of focus on the wrong things. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about Facebook ads? Because I know you're definitely... I'd love to. You're playing that game. <laughs> yeah, that would I think awesome. that I think that Facebook ads is like, first off, the holy grail if you have anything that's like a digital something you're selling. So obviously for sample packs, it worked for us really great. Uh, for Beats though, mm -hmm. it's fucking amazing. Probably the most misunderstood thing too. Yeah, and, and a lot of people think, oh, it's fake, it's fake people. I'm like, no, you fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> it's not fake people, okay? Obviously Facebook- You're doing it wrong. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. Like people complain like running ads in the US. They're like, why are people in India coming on this? I'm like, you didn't set your location filter, you know? <laughs> so you want to talk about a little bit about where you're seeing opportunities with selling Beats and Facebook ads? Yeah, so first things first, we were kind of hating on Zuckerberg, but the point is he has like 3 billion people he can reach yeah. every single day, right? So he has every potential customer you could ever dream of having, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's like that that kid in India, like you said, or it's like a producer here in the US on the, I don't know, in New York, making the beats on his home laptop. Mm. Um, the point is you need to know what you're doing though, because otherwise what happens is like you don't specify exactly, you don't get into the targeting, you don't you know, understand what kind of a campaign you want to run, and you just kind of throw cash down a down a drain basically right mm -hmm. you're just throwing it down the tunnel instead of like you know finding like a neat little piggy box to like slide it into mm -hmm. so what happens at that point is that you're just wasting your money and then people are complaining like oh facebook ads don't work you know i spent 100 bucks like nobody bought my shit and then you actually look at their ad campaign and they're just targeting like every fan of hip-hop music in the entire world or something like that right instead of specifying like, you know, who's my customer avatar? Is it like an 18 to 21 year old male from New York who likes Jedi mind tricks or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to get granular about that stuff and you need to understand the different types of campaigns. Um, you guys obviously are masters at this. You guys know what you're doing, but there's different types of Facebook ads that you can run. There's like the interest-based campaign, right? You find mm -hmm. people who enjoy, for example, hip hop beats or who enjoy sound kits, producers, something like that. Then there's the engagement-based ones, right? Like everybody who's um, liked your page, everyone who's been to your website, everybody who's seen your stuff on Instagram, everybody who's watched your video. And then there's the lookalike audiences, which is kind of like the, the holy grail to me personally, right? Which is um, everybody who's bought your stuff in the past. Let's have Facebook actually use their algorithm to find like 500,000 people who are exactly like that, have the same interest, you know, the same age, who mm -hmm. most closely resemble that, and who are most likely to make a purchase online. Mm -hmm. So that's super powerful, right? Because all of a sudden you're expanding your audience of, let's say you only have a thousand fans, but let's say a hundred of them bought something, you create a lookalike audience, you can have a million people that you can market to all of a sudden. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. And, and the thing I like about it so much with Beats and like if, if like me and Drew even talked about the idea of doing some like stuff on the side, like for fun, like try to get a beat project to like make it like, you know, 30 grand a month and show people how we go from zero to 30 grand a month. Selling Sounds beats. amazing. But what I would do is I would literally take every single type beat possible, right? Let's say you're making Post Malone type beat. You can so easily, I'm gonna target fans of Post Malone who are also, you know, fans of maybe like a, a certain art school or something or something that identifies them as a rapper. Mm -hmm. I would say like, hey, between the ages of, you know, maybe 18 to 24 that live in maybe US and Canada and then just keep going super deep until I can talk to that person specifically. They might even go to a certain school. Like, mm -hmm. hey, are you a rapper from USC? Like, you know, and like Post Malone, the guy's like, what the fuck? Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. the, I think that the gold is in those weirdly targeted ads. And, and a lot of people don't know. A lot of people think they're listening, which I mean, they technically could be. But a lot of it's just you have so much data and Facebook. Okay, let's just clear that up. Is there anywhere to target based on listening? 
If there's no no listening targeting, then no, but if it sounds like a business idea. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering because because so the words you say would be keyword. Would that be so? If you I, said the word puppy, you would go into the. Puppy I could see team. that. I don't know if that. I could see them doing that. I yeah, could see maybe, those fuckers maybe. doing that. They're Zuck's probably listening already. Let's be honest. Yeah, there's probably some like shady black hat operation just Zuck's, listening into. There's no specific thing where, but businesses specifically, they think it's the businesses doing it. There's no specific thing where you can go in and like listen. Uh, people who said music production mm-hmm. can we can just target them like that would be fucking ridiculous. Well, but people think that's what it is. You know what? We know one thing I learned at the Gary Vee thing that's kind of scary mm-hmm. that you can do uh location-based conversion okay so location-based conversion so online you visit a url they download something you keep track of you spent this much money on facebook they download this but nowadays you can say if the user comes within a circle radius because on their phone there's location tracking mm-hmm. if they walk into your store <laughs> that's like that person that came in pretty crazy so wow. so so for us it might be events if we run a big show you know music showcase night or something mm-hmm. like there might be a way to set a conversion as them walking through that door which <laughs> is fucking great. wild you yeah. know what i'm saying restaurants and stuff are using it you know as like a marketer that's super exciting to me but as like a human being that's kind of scary <laughs> yeah. yeah it's getting worse and worse i mean if you're on social media you can't complain though you have to be aware like like i don't i don't care because i mean honestly if you're not doing anything wrong what do you worry about like people mm-hmm. act like their boring ass lives the government is like gonna be sitting there watching <laughs> nobody really cares yeah. can we can we uh maybe uh, switch pace a little bit and talk about uh some maybe more technical production stuff that to, to getting your beats ready to be sold mm-hmm. you know like what's the difference between laying down an idea real quick and then like okay this is how it needs to be set from like you know everything from levels mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. format and everything for it to actually be sold yeah, and yeah even the, up to like the upload point the point you upload it yeah. like what format everything yeah, I mean, one thing producers struggle with is like organization, right? That mm-hmm. whole part, like the, the homework part, right? Which is, okay, so you've created your beat. It sounds nice. You know, you've mixed it and mastered it. But now what do you do? Because so many guys, you know, they just kind of bounce out like an MP3 file, post it online, and that's the end of the story. Mm-hmm. But you want to make sure that you keep, first of all, have wave wave bounce from every single file. Have the track outs ready to go in a zip file. Upload those to a server, right? Mm-hmm. Ready to sound, send out instantly. Because the last thing you want to do is like manually have to send out and upload like files when people purchase it. That's not scalable, right? Yeah, definitely. So especially if you're trying to be like an online producer and, and non-exclusively license your stuff, it only works if the whole if the whole beat business is as automated as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So part of that is like the whole homework part. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, making sure your files are labeled as well. You want to make sure it has like your producer name, the beat name, the BPM. Those are just like three essential pieces that every artist usually wants. Because the worst thing is like you have an artist who discovers a beat that they haven't listened to in three years later. And I don't know, they want to get a big feature on it and they don't even know who it's from, right? Because it just says mm-hmm. like mix3.mp3 or yeah. something like that, yeah, right? Yeah. So definitely make sure everything's labeled. If you want to get more deep into that, like do the little metadata, you know, so you can add like your, your website, you know, stuff like that, your personal information, your PRO registration information. Uh, the other part of it is like scheduling your content as well. Because so many producers, they just create something, they upload it, and that's their entire strategy, right? Mm-hmm. It's much more smart to just like spend a bunch of time, create a bunch of content, and then schedule it to be released. For example, like spend one day a week and just schedule one beat to be released each day, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's so many tools out there that can automate that too, which are, which are going to post your stuff on like YouTube, on SoundCloud, on BeatStars, like at the same time automatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, like Tunes to Tube, I use that all the time. They just kind of create like a YouTube video and a SoundCloud what is at that the called? same time. Tunes to Tube. Oh, cool. Um, I've been using those guys for years. It's just like little time-saving things like that, which help you to automate your process means mm-hmm. you have more time to actually focus on not only making content, but also selling the content, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just doing like 
you know, menial work. So try to automate, automate that as much as possible. Failing that, try to outsource it. So eventually, once you start like scaling your business, you get bigger. You want to make sure you have guys to deal with um, customer service. You, yeah. you have guys doing like the the uploading and the stuff like that. So you, you can focus on what's most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one important thing for people to understand about what you're talking about the scalability and stuff. To put it in simple ways, I mean, guys, if you have a store set up, somebody comes and buys something and it's already automated, like whether using Shopify, ClickFunnels, whatever. So they buy it, they get their downloads instantly, they get, you know, all the different track outs and stuff. And if your Facebook ads, those things run too. Once you set them up, if you're putting 10 bucks a day into it, five bucks a day, those are running. You essentially will wake up in the morning with money in your bank account without you doing anything. Not a bad way to wake up, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, I know it sounds awesome. crazy, but that's the beauty of digital businesses. Me and Drew make tons of money while we're sleeping, hanging out, shooting the show. There's people buying stuff. While we're shooting the show, Ano's making money right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think that is actually something that a lot of people don't talk about is like the mm-hmm. fact that while you're doing other things, if you set up this machine correctly, like you can get sales, you know? For sure. And it's like a lifestyle thing too, right? You don't mm-hmm. want to be sitting in that dark studio basement your entire life. You want to be able to go on vacation. You want to be able to take time out. You don't want to be grinding 24-7. So the more you actually set up that part of things, Mm -hmm. the more you outsource, the more you automate, the more you can focus on like stuff that's fun, right? Yeah, like coming out to LA. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for us, this is kind of like that that side of things. Me and Drew are actually big believers in like the lifestyle, like keeping it like nice, easy, fun, because like we don't want to be miserable. For sure. Like I'll take a smaller business every day of the week over a bigger business of being Mm -hmm. fucking miserable. You know what I'm saying? And you just had a kid as well, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Yeah, me too. So I think that's... That's like another consideration, right? Yeah. It's nice to be able to spend time with your kid, not have to be working be all home, the time. Work from home every day. Like I can go in and take an hour break if I need to. Like yeah. it's super crucial. How do you how do you balance your like let's say, you know, family and personal life with work? Something I kind of struggle with. Yeah, I think everybody does in the music industry yeah. to a certain extent. <laughs> I, I feel like it's kind of like a sort of like a high level business problem as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like initially, you know, your business does well, you start scaling. But often you just take on more work instead of working smarter. So what happens is you have all these side ventures, make even more money, more money, more money, but then you have less time to do other stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Fun stuff. So at that point, you need to start reconsidering and like not scaling back, but actually like outsourcing and and figuring ways to work smarter, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise what happens is you just like kill yourself trying to, you know, constantly one up yourself. Mm -hmm. And you're getting to the point where you're just like working 24-7, right? And I, I was definitely there at points as well, right? I, I would work like Monday to Sunday, like 8 a.m. to like 10 p.m. or something. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was necessary to get to a certain point. But then after that, I realized that I, I needed to actually work smarter, right? So I started hiring people. I know you guys have like a big team as well. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you realize like how important that is as well. Mm-hmm. And just focusing on, you know, the stuff that you enjoy doing, the stuff that you're the best at. And then also make sure you leave enough time to hang out with friends, you know, do fun stuff, mm-hmm. stay motivated. Otherwise, you're just going to burn out. Yeah. No, I think a lot of producers probably need to hear that, especially bedroom guys. Like it's so like the reason produ- it's almost like a meme about producers dealing with depression. But I'm like, dude, you're sitting in front of a computer all day at a chair. Yeah. You know, you're not. <laughs> you got to go outside sometimes. You got to go outside. Just get some. And that helps with the music, too. You know, it doesn't hurt it. People yeah. think it hurts. I'm like, no, dude, getting out, playing you know, some my, basketball. My home shit. studio, I just have, like, big windows everywhere. And everyone's like, oh, no, like, the, the acoustic treatment is terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be way yeah. off and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, my, my own well-being of, like, being able to see the sun is much more important <laughs> to me. Treatment, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could already, like, see that guy commenting that, you know, That's on an funny. Instagram post or something about yeah. the acoustic treatment. So There's I have a question. Um, like, so if I was a guy that uh, did have these five free beats, whatever, how what website would you first start with because like gabe obviously says just click funnels go with click funnels do you think they should try out beat stars or or other stuff 
Yeah, I mean, it all has its role. And I feel like BeatStars is super valuable. It's a great tool for music discovery. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the whole Young Keo thing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it has great sort of learning algorithms and stuff like that. So people just searching for random beats might just happen to come across your stuff. So that's mm-hmm. like a great entryway for people to find your music. Mm-hmm. Um, Click Funnels is more like the hardcore, like, uh, you know, customer acquisition, you know, making sales and stuff like that. So if you want to scale fast and you want to make money fast, then Click Funnels is like amazing. Love it. Um, I mean, for Gabe, like the whole process is, you know, you send people to this, we talked about it earlier, like the, mm-hmm. the freebie page, they get their email. What happens next is actually that they immediately get forwarded to a sales page, right? So they just got something for free. And now you're trying to basically uh, sell them something because you gave value. So now you're asking them for something in return. And the chances are that the purchase rate is going to be much higher because people feel like, you know, you have a genuinely vested interest and what they're trying to do and you just gave them value up front so they're much more likely to actually give you that sale so i mean that's kind of like super powerful in a sense mm-hmm. and then of course you can go get crazy into it you know you can do like the whole upsells downsells all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. um yeah so if, if that's your end goal and if, if you want to be sort of super markety and super nerdy about like the business technical stuff then click funnels is pretty dope yeah we uh we started wordpress and i would you know we took that thing pretty big. Like we, the first like two mm-hmm. years or something, two and a half years we were on that. But dude, that WordPress was trash. Like dude, <laughs> we crashed the website so much. And yeah, I would just terrible. recommend Shopify for like if you're just trying to set up a website yeah. at the store. It should be Shopify. Are you guys see. Shopify based? Yeah, yeah. we we moved oh, to sick. Shopify, and yeah. it's like I mean we have a we have a high end developer, and we still use Shopify. Mm-hmm. It's it's better all dude, around. Ky- Kylie Jenner, I mean, uses yeah. it like mm-hmm. and it doesn't website. if it doesn't crash for Kylie's launches. I know Jim it's not going to crash for they're ours. Smoking us in numbers. You're preaching to the choir. Modern producers of Shopify too. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. sweet. Oh, that's awesome. And you still can do the upsell stuff. You just got to have a dev to do a little sauce with Shopify. Like there's a lot of plugins. There's some plugins. Yeah, like an upsell plugin. Mm. They're not like amazing, but yeah. they get the basic job done. So you, you can't implement You know the one qualm I have with uh, ClickFunnels that drives me crazy? What's that? Is that fucking Favicon on top of the tab. Oh. <laughs> the second you see that, it's like a dead giveaway. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? You know you can switch that out though? Can you? Yeah. yeah. No, half yeah. the people don't, straight up. Yeah, they, a lot of people don't. just set it up with the basic settings, I think. Dude, for five years I was running ClickFunnels links mm-hmm. and literally it would say anodomini.clickfunnels.com and it had that little... Favicon. Nobody yeah. cared. You know, nobody, I was still yeah, getting like incredible, incredible results. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like now that people are kind of wisening up to it, you know, now I'm, now I'm switching a little Favicon yeah. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's super interesting. See, yeah. that's funny. Actually, you know, Gabe, the way he found me was, uh, through literally my link being anodomini.clickfunnels. Oh, and the way he got into it, he was like, he sold me promoting something. He was like, oh, what's that ClickFunnels thing? And now of course he's speaking at like Funnel Hacking Live yeah, he's, and he's like super yeah. deep into Is the Is that where he learned thing. about it? Yeah. Through you? Uh-huh. Oh, dude, that's, that's funny. fucking awesome. And, um, and now you guys are working together. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's funny how things just uh, kind of go in circles. That's and, funny. Yeah. So how does, how does your average day go? Like when you wake up in the morning, what is your average day looking like? That's a good question. Um, usually, I mean, I, I like to get up early. I'm kind of one of those guys who works better in the morning than mm-hmm. at nighttime. Like past 8 p.m., forget about it. I'm just yeah. too tired to get anything done. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I like to get up like 7 or something, maybe work out, have some food, and then just get to working by like 8 at the latest. And then usually what I'll do is just work on like my, my highest leverage task first. It's like this whole thing of, you know, eating the frog. You guys heard that principle? No. What is that? Like essentially the first thing you want to do in the morning is eat that frog, which is like the, the worst, you know, the, the thing you hate doing the most, but that's going to have the biggest impact mm-hmm. today. Like what's the one thing that's really going to change my business or, or you know, change something for me personally that's really going to impact my day, right? 
And then throughout the day, what happens is that you start getting like less and less motivation to keep working. So you don't want to do the really important stuff at the end of the day, because chances are you won't get it done or it's going to be like a half-assed job or something. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, get the first thing out of the way. And then the second most important thing, and then by the end, just do like the menial stuff, like answering emails or answering Instagram. No, I, mean, I think that's super interesting, actually. Like I, I already, in my head, I'm thinking about like a certain thing, like, man, if I knocked out in the morning, it would make me so much better. Yeah. For me, it's pushes because mm -hmm. I, I specifically work on the email, messenger, text, gotcha. like post, like the post that goes out for something new. I'm like, damn, if I knocked out in the morning, it'd be a little more chill. Yeah. Like, fuck around, play some ping pong in the afternoon, you know? And if you really want to supercharge that, like the night before, just think about what you're going to do the next day. Because mm -hmm. I feel like organization is key. Mm -hmm. And if you start thinking about it at nighttime, not only do you sleep better because you're not, you know, up all night thinking like, oh shit, this is all the stuff that I might have to do tomorrow. But you already have a concise plan written out for yourself and you've already identified what to do. So you don't waste time just sitting around like, oh, what should I do now? Yeah. Um, something that I think would be super interesting. What's like your biggest record in beat sales? Because I want somebody to be really inspired hearing this because I think the numbers are even much bigger than what people are thinking that, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. like what is something crazy? Is there a certain campaign you remember that's like, you know, popped off? Was it a black Friday thing or is there anything coming to mind? Yeah. I mean, beat selling campaign you did. We, we kind of, um, pioneered this idea of doing like beat launches, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, before I started this five years ago or something like that, nobody thought of using click funnels or sales funnels to sell beats. Um, at that point, the entire sales model was you sell one individual beat to an artist and that's the end of the transaction. Right. Mm -hmm. So I saw this opportunity to essentially take what was working in other industries with funnels and like, you know, beauty and sports and stuff like that, and just translate it into beats. Mm -hmm. So we started essentially putting together these packages of like, you know, 100 beats or 50 beats or something like that, selling them for an amazing entry level price, and then just having a bunch of upsells on the back end too. So we started with that in like uh, 2014 or something. We did the first like Black Friday beat package mm -hmm. and nobody had heard of anything like that before. So it just kind of went crazy. And it became this thing where we could, you know, every year we would do a new Black Friday launch and the entire artist community would just get super hyped because they knew that we can get a ton of amazing beats for amazing value. And it became this thing of like giving back to the community as well, because usually, you know, people would come to our site, they'd pay us full price. And here we were at the end of the year, just giving them like a ton of amazing content for super cheap uh, for them to, you know, get their albums out, create some content and stuff like that. So like those kind of launches, even to this day, are still the most profitable thing for mm -hmm. our business. And of course, now, you know, Gabe is doing it. He's been doing it for a couple of years and we're actually teaching other producers how to do it too. So now that I've kind of, I'm happy with where I've taken the whole beat launch thing. So now I want other people to be able to um, experiment with that, get the same kind of results and, and just kind of progress and move the industry forward. And, and aren't you in like the, uh, what is it? The, what, the comic club? What is the comic club stuff? You don't talk to about comic club. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so selling on beat start or I mean on uh click funnels, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for those that don't know, like the Two Comma Club Award is basically ClickFunnels way of, of awarding um, marketers who have made over a million dollars in sales using just their funnel. Mm -hmm. So for me, I became this, the first music producer to do that, just selling beats. Um, so, I mean, it still blows my mind to this day that I made a million bucks just selling beats online yeah. in like a couple of years. Um, but of course, now Gabe is the second producer and we're just looking for that third guy to do it. And eventually, yeah. you know, they have this like 10x award for 10 million. So that's going to be the next go. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually wanted you to say that on the podcast, made over a million bucks. Because I, I think people don't even fully know, you know, is he making like 30 grand? But they don't realize like making over a million bucks using this strategy. And it doesn't have to be like you going out and getting placements with fucking Drake. No. And, and the funny thing is like room. that placement that you get, you know, you might get a big fat royalty check. It might be like five figures. Maybe if you're super big, it might even be six figures. But that's year one, right? 
Year two, that's cut in half. Year three, that's cut in half again. Year four, there's like nothing coming your way. Mm -hmm. So going after placements is such a like difficult road. I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm just saying have like a backup plan too. Because you can do both. You can do like the funnels thing. You can do marketing, but you can also go after placements if mm -hmm. you want. I think I think the going straight to doing the funnels and, and doing the free beats online is like a better way to stabilize, to get off that, that let's say, you know, your, your job working at a restaurant or some other thing that's not related mm -hmm. to music. And then once you're on that full time, you got some stability in terms of cash, then you can keep getting better production. Plus, you're, more people. plus you're building yeah. your brand this whole time too. Building your brand and then make that stab. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I think sometimes career, a lot of producers don't go in the right order of which to tackle things. Mm -hmm. They think their first move needs to be getting a huge placement. I'm like, bro, you haven't even made any money selling anything online. You know, try, right, to, yeah. try to get a couple beat sales or, or a small placement. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, the, one, the number one reason why producers fail is because they run out of motivation and they run out of money to do what they want to do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because of that exact reason, they just have the, the wrong mindset and they have the wrong strategy. So you owe it to yourself as a producer to, first of all, make enough money to at least afford to do what you love doing, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you're just into this for like the love of making music, you, you need to be able to at least support yourself so you can carry on making music. And in order to do that, you need to have a business mindset. Don't just focus on making beats. Don't just focus on like getting placements, stuff like that. Actually focus on your business, growing a legitimate business. Mm -hmm. And then once you're stable and you're making money and you can afford to do this full time, then sure, you like branch off and do like placements, do whatever yeah, you want to do. I think Murder Beats said something about that. He said like 80% business or something like, it was something crazy like that mm -hmm. where he was talking about how important it is for like his success, just knowing the business side of things. I would say 90%. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's super important. Yeah. Uh, what's some other stuff you can make money online doing with uh, if you're a music producer? Oh, okay, I'm glad you said music producer because otherwise we'd be here all day. Yeah, no, no, just just like uh, besides yeah. selling beats because there's a lot. I mean, obviously we do other stuff. What's some other routes that you've seen work for you, dude? I mean, the sky's the limit. You know, you, you could sell beat packages, like I said. You could do like instrumental albums. You could do um, mixtapes. You could do paid entry contests. You could create sound kits. You know, like a little drum kit mm -hmm. if people already like your sound. Mm -hmm. um, you could do YouTube monetization revenue through, you know, just posting content on YouTube, SoundCloud now has it too. So you can actually make money by literally just posting beats, which is pretty sweet. Uh, you can be an affiliate for someone else or create an affiliate program for yourself, have other producers sell your stuff. Like literally there's like dozens of strategies, you know? Y'all do mixing and mastering too, right? Yeah, that's another one. Um, I don't personally, but I have an engineer. No, that yeah, I saw yeah. just on your website, you have yeah. it looks like that's one of your products. That's pretty cool. How'd you get into doing that? So I just realized that, uh, I mean, my target customer is, you know, like an artist. Mm -hmm. And after they purchased the beat, I was just thinking about everything that they need to be successful. And part of that is to have their stuff sound as, as good as it possibly can, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all about catering to your customer, giving them everything they need to succeed. So I said, okay, so let's introduce like mixing and mastering packages too. Um, and because I'm not the world's greatest mixing and mastering engineer, nor am I the world's best producer, but I built a team of engineers and producers who are fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. So there's that part too. You know, you don't have to do it all yourself. You can outsource, you can grow a team. Do you, do you think you need to go to school to do like production school? Do you think that's a necessity? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I don't want to diss like production schools. Like a lot of big producers and artists came out of, you know, like whatever music audio school that mm -hmm. they went to around the world. But honestly, like I never took any kind of classical training. Um, I never went to production school. I just taught myself and like 90% of all the successful producers and artists I knew now did the same thing. So I'm not saying it's like pointless, but take that $30,000 and invest it in your business and you're probably yeah. going to make a lot more money. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I mean, try it out. 
Facebook ads, fuck it, man, something. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I would just, I would just pay some some guy one on one to work with me for a week, like find the best engineer. Dude, having like a, a business mentor, like a really high level yeah. guy yeah. to I mean, teach we, you for we pay for those we did at that. First. That's what helped me. Inter- we still do that to this day. That's yeah. why we went to the Gary thing. We paid a consult. We did a consulting day. Right. And it's constantly led us to like newer heights because mm-hmm. always just getting shown up by somebody. It gets you in the door too with just uh, building that relationship with the yeah. people. It's about like also analyzing the return on investment, right? Mm-hmm. Like you guys pay Gary V, I don't know, $25,000, but you probably have strategies off the back of that that have made you hundreds of thousands, right? Yeah. Bro, it yeah. wasn't even, that was <laughs> pennies, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Compared to what Gary has done for our brand, it's fucking crazy. Like yeah. before exactly. Gary, if you would have said, hey, Steven, I think if you were to hit me up, be like, Steven, I think a good idea is for you to start a podcast with Drew. I've been like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I literally would have said that, but now thinking about branding, how much value people get, thinking differently, I'm like, oh, this is one of the best things we can do, mm-hmm. you know? So that's yeah, cool. That yeah. he definitely helped out a shit ton. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I had to ask you that question just because it's so many people think that school is the answer. And I'm like, dude, the information is on the internet now. Mm-hmm. There's so many high level things that you can have access to. You can DM people to find mentors. Like there's so much good stuff, books, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That it's not that I down education. Cause I actually think education is like extremely important. I spend time studying all kinds of stuff all the time, but the school format, is that the best thing to be learning about mm-hmm. algebra three? <laughs> 1106 whatever the fuck it is like i don't know if that's going to play as big you, role, you know what you know? also gets me about the classical education system is that so much stuff that actually matters doesn't get taught right mm-hmm. nobody taught me how to invest nobody taught me how to save for retirement nobody taught me how to start an llc stuff like that you know build your credit i would have loved stuff like that like do i do i care what year the battle of hastings <laughs> yeah. was is it gonna help me sell more beats yeah. like no you know it's just stuff like that that sometimes it's, it's better to seek out um, somebody in your industry who's already doing it at a high level and just mm-hmm. like pay them for education if you really want to invest into something mm-hmm. or just get free information, you know? People like me and Gabe, we do free webinars for producers all the time. You can literally just watch it, you know, soak up content and take that and start a start a business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What are we at on time, Jordan? We're at about 50. Oh yeah, we should uh, we should wrap it up and then go into, or we can go in the bonus section giveaway i don't yep. know if he yep. wants to give away anything you can um yeah so we'll start off by we're going to do a giveaway but first i want you to tell everybody wh- where they need to go to like come check your shit out should they check out the webinar uh, just talk about the stuff you have going on where you want people the listeners to go yeah honestly if you're a producer and you're looking into growing your business exponentially online then check out the free webinar that gabe and i host it's for uh, a little something called a producer funnel, which is our version of a sales funnel, but for producers. Mm-hmm. And it's going to teach you how to effectively and efficiently sell more beats online, how do you connect with your audience, how to grow your audience, and just how to make more sales. Mm-hmm. So check that out. It's completely free to attend. Um, I'll, I'll give you guys the link. You can you know put it in the comments or yeah, for sure. in the description. And yeah, just we'll see you guys there. Yeah, and, and another thing is they do have an entire program with that that I'm telling you guys just how me and me, we're constantly investing in stuff. And like, if you guys really like the stuff they're teaching, they do have a paid program that's probably going to give you one of the best return on investments out of anything you can buy when it comes to selling beats. So I appreciate be on that. the lookout for that. Cool. Um, sweet. You want to go to the giveaway and then the bonus round? Yeah. Do you want to give away anything? So we're, we're going to do $500 we nice gift, gift cards. cards so. But if you have something like that, you want to give away? Sure. I mean, if it's not going to cannibalize you guys, we can do a modern producers no, giveaway. Bro, cannibalize. Care. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't even add, you know, it's funny that like sometimes people talk about Philly links. I'm like, bro, we'll just link your shit. We don't need, this. <laughs> we don't give a fuck, you know, it's for us where it's all like win-win, you know, yeah, it's never, sure. you know, yeah, like, I love that mindset. Yeah. We're never like, oh, let's try to, you know, penny pinch here and there. Yeah. That, that, that's usually what kills relationships in the long run. Yeah. You know sure. And people see it. You feel it when somebody acts like that. You just, you're like, yeah, I don't know if I want to. So, so what is it you're giving away? 
So how does it work? You're going to give away five. We're giving away five hundred dollar gift cards no, no, okay. to five different people, and okay. you can throw in like three of something, or five, or, or five. You want? You can do ten. Sure. Let's just double up. Let's give them five hundred dollar gift cards for you. For you too. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So we got ten one hundred dollar gift cards, um, and uh, the way how you're about gonna... the each it will do five winners, and each one will win a gift card from each of us. That makes it easier. Because yeah. 10 people, we have so many announcements. <laughs> oh yeah, we're about to go ham. By the way, guys, if you're watching this episodes and, and you go, you've been entering, you know, we're not forgetting about you. What we do is we stack up on a bunch of episodes and then we do a big announcement, read off hundred names. It's going to take 30 minutes. It's going to take 30 minutes, but we'll post it also on Instagram <laughs> for you guys watching the clips. Uh, but yeah, all you have to do is comment what your favorite moment was in the episodes. Timestamps obviously help and it gets us a good gauge on what you guys were really enjoying from the show. So hopefully we can bring you guys more of that. And uh, for those guys who aren't checking out the Spotify and SoundCloud and the Apple portion of the podcast, when we go into audio only, I'm just going to tell you right now, like there's a lot of good questions that me and Drew go into and we save specifically for that. So uh, yeah, after you comment and enter this giveaway, we're uh, definitely go check out this uh, audio portion that starts now. We kind of touched on this, but how much should you charge for your beats in the very beginning? Uh, I mean, the, the market kind of dictates like 50 into 30 bucks right now. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the standard price. Um, I wouldn't try and undercut other people just because then you get into this like race for the bottom. We talk about that all the time. It's yeah, I see producers giving away beats for like $2 and plus, you know, get like 10 free beats and stuff like that. Like, don't focus on doing that. Instead, just try to provide more value. You know, maybe give them like a bundle of five beats for, for 50 bucks plus a mixing and mastering tutorial plus a shout out on your Instagram or something like mm -hmm. that. Doesn't that sound way more appealing? Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So just focus on value instead of price. That's a huge thing, actually, that we do a lot is like bonuses. Uh, do you do any kind of bonus stuff? When oh, you yeah, sell all the time. Packages? Not so much on just modern producers like the website, but we definitely do when we're doing like the launches. We definitely do, um, you know, all the sort of evergreen funnels and stuff like that mm -hmm. we have set up. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, guys, for you guys listening, like the putting bonuses with your beats, like if you sell 10 beats, you should be like, hey, and you get these bonus five you know, X type beats and you get these five chill melody loops that you can use for whatever. And you get, you know, these 10 things and all of a sudden it makes the price look like, holy shit, I'm getting all this stuff and it definitely helps with sales. So just want to clear that up. hundred percent. Um, real quick, do you want to talk about, I know this is not a question as much, but talk about what you're, I'm very interested. Talk about what you're doing. You said bringing people out to your house, like the, the master. I know it's sold out, but like, I know you're going to do more. Yeah, yeah. So as a part of this whole producer final course that me and Gabe are doing, mm -hmm. uh, I just bought two houses out in Nashville and we're going to, because they're two side-by-side -side townhouses. So we're going to combine them into one big producer house essentially and do these like live events where we're going to have people fly out there, attend. We're going to teach them stuff for two days straight. We're going to do, you know, beat cook-up contests. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to do just fun stuff like that and just have a good time, you know, just do good old fashioned Southern cookout, things like that. That sounds awesome, man. And uh, yeah, it's just like a, a chance for us to connect with people more personally and also to more individually help producers out, you know, set up their business, build their funnel and stuff like that on like a one-to-one -one basis almost. So it's, it's going to be a ton of fun. That's awesome. Are you getting content, like video content of that? Definitely. Yeah. So that's, we're going to have a professional photographer just, um, you know, shoot the whole thing mm -hmm. and then create a bunch of like videos and, and maybe yeah, turn you, it into a course or something. Like that. Shit ton yeah. That sounds like a fucking great idea for us to do for content, future. not even money. Just like, yeah. You know. I know the house next door is for sale. If you guys want to <laughs> <laughs> get in. So competitor next door, <laughs> oh, people walking up, I'm like, no, 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 come over here. But you know, it's not even about competition. <laughs> I feel like it's so much about, um, coming together and working together and coming up with like dope content concepts, you know, 
in tandem. Mm -hmm. I feel like some of my greatest achievements have been when I, when I collaborated with other people like Gabe from the Legion and stuff. And whenever, mm -hmm. whenever I come together with other people, I feel like we can, you know, synergy kicks in and mm -hmm. you just create something that's so much more cool than you can just do on your own. Plus it's fun. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Fun. It's like when you have other people, it's better than being alone straight up. Yeah. Honestly, uh, entrepreneurship is also just about doing cool shit and doing mm -hmm. stuff that you want to do. Right. Yeah. When, when it comes to your uh, production question, like what's the one tip you have for like mixing? When it comes mixing? to mixing your beats, yeah, getting a better mix. Uh, I mean, I'm not an engineer, so I don't want to pretend like I, I have the answers to everyone's mm -hmm. questions. But like one mistake I see so many people make is just like, first of all, spending too much time. Like, yes, it matters like how, how your stuff sounds. But at the end of the day, if you're spending like three days in the studio trying to like tweak that kick drum and like, you know, just make that snare just a little more snappy and then deciding like after two days that actually you want a different snare. Like that's not going to make a difference at the end of the day to yeah. whether your beat sells or not, right? Yeah. What's more important is just having something that sounds good enough to you, which you're happy with, and then putting it out and then moving on to the next thing. So many producers are like overprotective about their stuff and they just they just want every little tiny little thing to be like yeah. perfect. But for the, the average person that's going to listen to your stuff or the average artist that's going to buy your stuff, like they don't even notice the difference, you know? Mm -hmm. So that would be... I guess my roundabout way of answering that question. Yeah. How important is speed in general with your business? Because we try to keep shit moving. Like when we talk to somebody, we're like fly out next week and come work with Sometimes us. Sometimes next you know? day. Simon yeah. I was like, yo, come out tomorrow. He said, all right. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. No, it's super important because if you let time get in the way, like, you know, life happens and then eventually maybe it doesn't end up happening. Right. If I told you guys like, oh, I'll meet you at like, in, in June next year or something. People like, chances are. <laughs> yeah. It never does happen. People yeah. do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So I got a, maybe a final question. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, in an alternate universe, nobody knows who the hell Anno Domini is. And, uh, let's say you got $500, you got a laptop and you got 25 awesome beats. What's the next steps towards building your career? If nobody knows who you are. Okay. So I got, I got to go the funnel route. I think I got to do what Gabe would do as well, which is to essentially take five of those beats you know, create a little free package start posting content on, on forums, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, start building traffic to that free offer, mm -hmm. start hitting people up, you know, connecting one-on-one -on -one with people in, in Facebook groups, um, maybe taking a little bit of the money that hopefully I've got saved up and investing in some Facebook ads, super targeted. And then once I start building that audience, uh, I'm gonna start, you know, creating a relationship with them long-term, providing value, and then start selling them my stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the remaining beats, I'll just put them into some kind of a package, plus a couple of bonuses that I can easily create. I mean, hell, I could even go online and just find some free PDFs that people are giving away, ask for permission and include them in my offer. I don't even have to write anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's super easy to stack on value. So that, that would be my strategy. And then hopefully I would just keep reinvesting those profits because I think that's really important too. Um, I think sometimes people uh, don't realize they can repackage their offer too. Like you can, if you have 20 beats, hmm. just take five of those and make those a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just doing the 20 beats because it, it frames it differently well, in the customer's mind. Definitely. Real quick, just to expand on that, because what Drew said is very, very important for the people listening. You can sell 20 beats as like, hey, here's 20 beats for, let's say, $100. You could say, hey, here's five beats for $100 and you get 15 for free. Those are the same thing, but people look at it differently and there's a thousand ways to spin the thing. And it's important to experiment with that because it'll change the perception of the product and you'd be surprised at how... One little switch like that could make your beat start sounding like fucking crazy mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. you changed the perception of it. Yeah. Buy one, instead of, you know, here, buy four beats for $30, you might say buy one beat for $30 and get three free. All of a sudden, that change, you know, skyrockets the sales. So. 100%, yeah. Yeah, sweet. Well, hey, man. Thanks for, awesome. yeah, that was an awesome episode. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I, I think appreciate this was, it. This is like an episode people are going to make some more money after they watch it, you know? I hope so. <laughs>